Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. All right, how's everybody doing today? Hey, so we are missing uh, like two van loads of teenagers, so you got to kind of get a little rowdy to fill in their spots. How's everybody doing today? Awesome, 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 awesome. It has been a, uh, a, a crazy weekend for them. I've seen all of their posts and all the stuff they're doing. Three days straight of what they call Rock the Universe. It's a Christian concert festival at Universal Studios, and uh, our kids have been having a fantastic time. And my wife and I, have been having an empty, like, house time. It's, like, super weird. Hey, come on now. Oh, you guys, get your head out of the gutter. Somebody's thinking, anyhow. <laughs> hey, welcome to Renew. My name is uh, Pastor Trevor, and uh, I do have a beautiful wife. She's out there. She might be coming in in just a minute. I hope she comes in to listen to a sermon every once in a while, but uh, she loves to serve. She loves hospitality. She loves to be out there. I actually asked her to be on stage with me for this message uh, called uh, Spiritual Adulting and, and like segueing into spiritual parents, and she didn't want to. So uh, you, you harass her afterwards. There she is. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let, me, let me get into a, a, a couple of announcements. Next week, this is the final week in our Where Are You series. This is something that's happening next week that you don't want to miss. If you have a friend, a family member, a neighbor, anybody that has struggled with addiction, next weekend is Hope Sunday at Renew. In other words, the Hope Center Ministries is taking over Renew Church for the weekend to uh, share the vision and the mission of Hope Center Miami. And, and I want you to hear about it. Maybe you know somebody that struggled with addiction Come and hear some of the testimonies, and maybe you're a person that, that, that is, needs this, or you have somebody that needs this, or you can support this because you've, you, you, you know what it's like to go through this. We need counselors. We need people that would help with Bible studies and, and just mentor uh, some of these men. Hope Center is a 12-month residential drug and alcohol program, and we would love for you to be here, hear more about it, uh, and invite somebody for Hope Sunday next Sunday. All right? So... Where are you? That's the sermon series that we're in. This is the message series that we've been in for the last four weeks, and we've been talking a lot about this concept of, um, uh, we started with the fact that we want you to be fully devoted, fully mature followers of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. That's our, that's our heart for you. Fully devoted, fully mature. And I started the series back like five weeks ago talking about the fact that you can be fully devoted without being fully mature. Like even at the very early stage of a born-again Christian, you could be fully devoted and not really know the Bible at all, barely even have any church experience, but you could be fully devoted and, and, and not be fully mature. But you cannot be fully mature. This is for the person in the room that's kind of like puffing out the chest a little bit. They're like, yeah, I've been to church. I know the Bible. I've read it three times. And, uh, you know, I even pray before I go to bed. Like for that person that's fully mature, but if you're not fully devoted... You, you, can't, you, you can't be fully mature if you're not fully devoted. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's how we started. That's the, the way the message series began. Then we started talking about seekers. We talked about there, there's different types of seekers. There's the, there's the crisis seeker. There's the one that's coming to God every time a crisis occurs. There's the, the, the benefit seeker that's like, man, I know that if I get with 
Jesus and I start seeking God and obeying the Ten Commandments, then I'm going to like get all the blessings that come with that. That's the benefit seeker. But then there's the Hebrews 11:6 earnest seeker. You know, it, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I know I missed the middle of the verse, but it's that Hebrews 11:6 earnest seeker, those that would earnestly seek him in faith. That's, that's what we talked about, that, that you need to be an earnest seeker. And then the next phase or the next step in your walk with God is, is to be born again. We looked at the story of Nicodemus and how Nicodemus uh, was seeking Jesus at night. He, he, he was mature. He knew he was a Pharisee. He knew the scripture. He knew the law and the prophets. But Jesus invited him back to infancy. Jesus invited him to step down from where he was on his kind of theological high horse to say, hey, you must be born again. He invited him back to being a baby Christian. And, and so that's where we start, born again, babies. And, and what are babies? They're oftentimes, they're, they're um, responsive, they're dependent, but they're also self-centered. It doesn't matter what time of day or night it is, they're going to cry if they got a bellyache, and it doesn't matter what you need or what you have to do. They don't center their schedule around your schedule. You center your schedule around theirs. That's, that's what an, a baby, uh, even a, 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 a natural baby is, but that's how a baby Christian oftentimes is, very self-centered, self-focused. Then there's the teenager. And the teenager, they, they want the benefits without the responsibilities. They want the benefits of being a child of God, but they don't want the responsibilities of being an adult Christian. You know, like, why do I need to go to this? Or why, not, why I need to participate in that? Or why do I need to give to this? Why do I need to do any of these things? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, an adult. So this, this whole concept is only like a 100-year-old idea. This you know, uh, teenager, like before this, we talked about it last week, before this, it was like, you're a child or you're a man. Like you basically almost like, you know, hit puberty and then you become a, uh, you know, you get a job and, and, and you go to work and you, you, you start helping on the fields or, or, or whatever it is. But this concept is this like in between season that unfortunately as Christians, we've kind of adopted where we think that we're spiritual teenagers. We want the benefits of being a child without the responsibilities of being an adult. So, so we talked a lot about that last week. You can go to our archives and go to our YouTube and, and uh, subscribe and see those and watch those um, because teenagers are aware, they're invincible, and they're independent, kind of, until it's like, hey, um, I, I, you know, you're going to pay my cell phone still, right? Mom, you know, I mean, I, I, I want to be left alone, but you're still going to take care of some of these things. And they struggle with authority. They, they struggle with authority. We looked at Ephesians 4.11 where it says, and Christ gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, right? The, 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 these, these people. And he gave them so that we could have people that would lead us and that would guide us and, and help us. And, and sometimes a spiritual teenager, if they're like, oh, I don't like that church because that pastor said that to me or he did this to me. And it's like, well, wait a second. Isn't he like in, a, in some form of a, a, a role of authority that's kind of guiding you? Now, if he's taking it out of context or if he's trying to, to use it in, in a way that's unhealthy, then that's an issue. But I'm saying sometimes a pastor's going to say things you don't want to hear. Sometimes a teacher's going to say things that you don't like. But I mean, the scripture's not all about just, you know, dandelions and, 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 and rainbows. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's the word of God and it's a biblical authority and God gives people this authority to lead. Today I'm going to talk to you about spiritual adults um, and, and I want you to, to get this. This is verse Ephesians 4. We've been in Ephesians 4. I'm not going to read the entire passage, but verse 15 
uh, 14 and 15 says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We are the body and we should be the maturing body that is of Christ. It's great when you're a born-again baby Christian, but don't stay there. Just as if you're a natural baby, but yet you've grown up, it's been 10 years, you shouldn't still be like sucking on a pacifier. It's time to grow up. It's time to naturally move in your progression, in your walk, and in your spiritual growth. So that's where we we are today. We're going to kind of focus in on adults for a little bit. Um, And and this is is the characteristics of a spiritual adult, okay? Let Let me pray for us one more time before we get into this. God in heaven, I just, uh, I pray that you would just speak to me, speak through me to these, your, your, uh, your listeners, these people. God, I pray that they would be your words and not mine, and they would have ears to hear what it is that you want to say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I hope and I pray that you do have ears to hear. I hope and I pray that you do, you did come here uh, to, to say, God, what is it that you're saying to me personally? Not to your wife, not to your friend, not to the person beside you, to you. What is God saying to you. So here's some characteristics of a spiritual adult. Number one, spiritual adults, these are the ones that have, have grown. They've matured. They're no longer a teenager. They, they're not, not just a born-again baby believer. They're born again, but they're adults. They're mature. They have broken through uh, spiritual major strongholds. They have broken major strongholds. They're not done growing, but they have settled some major issues in life. And, and, and one of those issues is, is where the authority comes from. As we just talked about for a minute, where the authority comes from. The authority does not come from what they see in the media. It doesn't come from what they see on the internet. It doesn't even come from what they read in a magazine or hear from somebody else. The authority comes from the Word of God. They've settled that in their life. They've broken strongholds that would say that it's anything else. And I think it's one of the slides on the screen. They have broken major strongholds in their life. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to fill that in there. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I'm I'm no longer just doing the, 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 the childish stuff. Now... Is it possible that you still have spiritual uh, strongholds? Is it possible that you have strongholds in your life? Of course it is. Of course it is. In fact, I was in my 21 days prayer and fasting, just concluded yesterday. Praise be to God. I'm thankful for that. And uh, man, I saw a a stronghold broken in my own life. I saw a stronghold that God was was breaking as it related to to something that was going on in my ministry and in my life. And God uh, helped me through that during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. But we are breaking those things. We're not just saying, oh, well, it is what it is. We're not just living like, oh, I can't do anything about it anyways. When we say that, we're, we're talking from the mouth of a teenager. We're talking like we cannot mature, and you can. You can grow. You can grow in grace. You can experience not just salvation, being born again, but you can experience what I talked about last week, which is sanctification, this, this, this progressive, like, uh, movement, like getting closer to Jesus and further away from the world every single day, you're growing in your relationship with God. You don't have to stay the same. And that's because you're breaking spiritual strongholds, uh, ma- major strongholds. The second one is, is spiritual adults have discovered spiritual gifts 
and are serving. They have discovered spiritual gifts and they are serving. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it gently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. As Paul is listing these gifts, he's saying, do it to the best of your ability. You know, as teenagers, we, we start to see it. We become aware of it. But as adults, like we, we're, we're not just seeing it and kind of thinking, man, that would be a good thing for me to do. No, we're actually living it out. And this isn't just a, pl- a plug for growth track. I know that it sounds like I'm just trying to like, you know, throw you kind of like a, a, an underhanded sale for you to go to growth track and do the spiritual gifts, uh, you know, uh, assessment. It would be a great start because it does identify your gifts, but maybe you already know what your gifts are. Maybe you already know what your calling is or what God has put in your heart and you've been running. You've been turning your back on it. You've been saying, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, like when I get finished with this or when I graduate from that or when I pay that off and it's like, You'll never arrive. You'll never get to that place. You've got to acknowledge. You've got to recognize as a, as a spiritual adult, if you are a spiritual adult, you have to recognize your gift and you've got to serve. That's, that's, that's a big part of what spiritual adults do. I think of Isaiah chapter 6. The day that God calls Isaiah, he was humbled by the call and he felt unworthy, but he says to, to God, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. I mean, it doesn't mean that he wasn't scared. It doesn't mean that, that uh, he wasn't afraid for, for what was going to come with that. Uh, with that commitment to God comes the, 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 the repercussions of the, the enemy and the, the people that were going to come against him. But he said, here am I, in spite of it, send me, oh God. It, it doesn't mean that they don't feel inadequate. I do that every day. There are times when I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be somebody better than me. There's got to be somebody more qualified, more educated, more experienced, all of these things. And, you know, I feel that same feeling many times, but here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me in whatever way you want to use me. We don't let those feelings stop us from doing whatever it is that God calls us to. The, the caution for a spiritual adult is, is you get complacent. You know what your gifts are. You, you've recognized it. You've heard it. You, you might have even been in ministry but because you've retired from ministry, you think you've retired from serving. You know, like officially retired. Like I used to pastor a church, pastor. Now I don't. So, so that means you can just sit on your, on, your, on your backside all day, right? Like that's all you do. Like you, you, you don't have a call. Like God hasn't. The thing is, it's different, the calling of God. For all of us, and, and it's for every single person in this room. If you've got a pulse, you've got a call. It, it's different than, you know, the call of a, a CEO or a corporation. You never retire. You literally serve God till you're dead. Okay? If you're still alive, you still serve God. And if you don't, then you might not be a spiritual adult. You might be a teenager. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not a Christian but you're not as mature as you think you are. You know the Bible, but you don't apply the Bible. So, we need you. We, we want you. We, we want you to be a people that, that would not be complacent. Isaiah 6, he says, here am I, send me. 
sometimes complacent uh, Christians would say, God, here's a need. Send somebody. You know, I, I, Pastor, I just found out about something that's really, really bad, and they really need a lot of help. And I'm like, yeah, they need you. You're right. They do need you. Why are you not doing something about it? They think that I'm going to do it. It's not here's a need, send somebody. It's here's a need, send me. Now, let me also give disclosure on this. Not every need is your calling. Mature adults do know that, that, that like especially if you already are in your calling and you're serving and you're doing what God has, has set you up to do, you're not going to just kind of like, you know, take on something else because saying yes to something else, guess what it is? It's saying no to something else. Saying yes to another ministry night of the week means no to your kids another night of the week. So there's maturity in, in sometimes making sure that you know that this is a need, but it may or may not be my need. So, so every need is not a calling. But if you're not doing anything, be warned that you might not be a spiritual adult. There, there are so many ways that, that, that we've got to keep our radar up. I mean, you could see it online. You could see your, your, your friends, your companions, those people on social media. You can do something about encourage them, them and, and ministering to them, sending them a message, not, not trying to get into a, a, a public debate on social media, but I'm saying like literally DMing them and, and saying, hey, I, I was just thinking about you and praying for you today. Reaching out to those people, reaching out to the people in your community, in, in your neighborhood or your workplace, finding those people that have a need and doing something about it, or even in your very own household, somebody that you see that has a need, you do something about it. That's what mature adults do. The third thing that spiritual adults are is they are transparent. Spiritual adults are transparent. You know, we, we can oftentimes, uh, especially the more mature we are, we can often, you know, become a little bit like uh, protective of our image and, and the ego that we have and the things that we want people to see about us. And we want people to see the good but not the bad. And, and uh, a spiritual adult, a mature adult, is, is just honest, transparent, open. Now, it doesn't mean that you're just going to like put every single thing on, on blast for everybody to know, but you, you do have accountability. You do have somebody that you talk to. You might have a mentor, a sponsor, somebody to guide you in your life. You're transparent. Because if you're not, you're opening yourself up. If you're closed, you're opening yourself up to the enemy, the enemy attacking you, coming against you, and uh, causing whatever that temptation is uh, to turn to sin. You're moving past, as a spiritual adult, you're moving past what everyone else thinks, and you care about what God says. You, I know I said this before, but natural growth, it happens naturally. We, we just understand. You're a baby, and then you're a child, and then you're a teenager, and you're a parent, and then you grow older. and It, it happens natural, but spiritual growth it doesn't happen naturally. It takes intentionality. It requires intentionality. Spiritual adults assess where they are in their maturity, and, and an important part of that growth comes from assessing where you are. Maturity requires assessment along the way, just like if you were uh, going on a trip and you, you weren't exactly sure where to go, what do you need to do? You need to turn on the maps. You need to you know, check the, the, the GPS and see exactly where you are in relation to where you're trying to go. Or take health, for example. 
You've got to assess yourself. You've got to check your blood pressure, your cholesterol, your sugar. You've got to do those things. You can't just pretend everything's fine. I mean, everything's fine today, but if it's the same as it was and you're not changing anything and you, you continue to not take care of your health, it won't be fine five years from now, ten years from now. The same thing is true in your spiritual assessments. You've got to assess where you are. You've got to honestly look at yourself and maybe even have somebody else look at yourself, look into you. Here's the problem. Some people, they, they do this thing where their assessment is based on, well, you know what, I, I didn't do what he did. At least I'm not as bad as that guy. <laughs> you know, or, or you know what, what I just saw on, uh, you know, some of these reality TV shows, right? Like, you guys ever seen um, Customer Wars? Don't watch it. It's, it's the worst of humanity. It's the worst of humanity. But it's like, at least I'm not as bad as that person. That's not the way to assess yourself. You know how you assess yourself? Look in the mirror. You look in the mirror. The, the, the Word of God is your mirror. You look to it and you say, God, do I reflect what's written inside this book? Do I reflect the things that I'm, I'm, I'm reading that you're speaking to my life? And if not, you've done a health check. If not, now it's time to, to, to make some corrections, to get some exercise, to, to take some medicine, to do whatever the Scripture is telling you to do. That, it requires assessment. And spiritual adults are transparent enough to, to let some people into their life that they can trust, that they can walk with, that can help them in this area. Number four, spiritual adults have healthy relationships in the family of God. Spiritual adults have healthy relationships in the family of God. They understand when they accepted Christ, uh, they not only have a heavenly father, but they have spiritual brothers and sisters. Isn't that good? Aren't you thankful for the family of God? Praise God. Yeah, we can give God praise for that. <laughs> Spiritual adults have healthy relationships in the family of God. It's so important. It's critical to your growth. It's critical to your maturity. If you're like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. All right, I'm not going to argue with you on that. But why are you... Why are you arguing with the one organization that Jesus set up? Like, wh why would you do that? I don't know. But regardless of that, like, you've got this opportunity here. You've got a family of God. You've got brothers and sisters that want to walk with you, that want to work with you, that want to, to help you and encourage you. Why would you neglect them? Man, I think about the, the different kinds of relationships in the, in the family of God, and I, I kind of compare it to um, the type of relationships we have here in the world, or maybe even like, you know, first of all, it's the acquaintances. It's the people, it's our, our friends on Facebook or Instagram, right? It's those people that we know, and there's maybe hundreds of them. Some of you, it's thousands of them. Those are your acquaintances. Oh, I know him. I saw him on something, and I like him, or I follow him, or whatever. That's your acquaintances. But then beyond that, they have this next level, which is companions. These are the people that have kind of stepped from not just somebody I know them, but man, these are my, my, my friends. These are people that I invite to my birthday. These are people that, that reach out to me in, 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 in difficult times. These are, 
these are some, some special people in my life. And, and so acquaintances, there may be hundreds, which is kind of like in a room like this. Not that there's hundreds in this room, but you know what I mean. In the church, uh, it, it's, it's a room like this where it's like, I always know, you always sit there, and we always pound it right you know, before the pastor preaches. Those are your acquaintances. But then you have this next level, this next group, and these are these, are these, these um, companions. And these are kind of like the people that maybe you serve with. If you're, if you're a mature adult and you're starting to serve and you're getting into this, you, you, you might serve with them on a, uh, on a team or you go to you know, a, a certain ministry with them. And there's you know, anywhere from 10 to 100 of those people in the Renew crew. And, and those are people that you kind of know, but you don't know anything else except that you both can handle kids okay. Like you, you know how to work with the, t- the, the, the teenagers or whatever it is. Those are your acquaintances. But then you have relationships, like friendships, like real relationships. And, and, and so that parallel that, that I would use for that would be our small groups. That would be the group of people that you're doing life with. That would be the group of people that, that know you intimately. They don't just know you like kids. That's great. But they're the people like 10 or less usually where it's like, man, if I'm in a bind, I'm going to call them. If I'm in a struggle, I'm going to go. They don't just come to my birthday party. They don't just come to celebrate. They come when I'm down and out. They come when I'm in trouble. You see what I'm saying? Spiritual adults have healthy relationships in the family of God. And there's differing degrees of relationships. You're not going to be best friends with everybody, but you've got to have these differing degrees. So if you're a spiritual adult, do you have those close relationships? Do you have those close companions? Do you have the people that you serve alongside that are kind of like, hey, they know me, I can count on me, I can count on them. And even in in the acquaintances, the body of Christ, people that you see every single week. That's, That's what we have, that's what we need, that's what you need. And then number five, spiritual adults impact the next generation. Spiritual adults impact the next generation. They're they're looking beyond themselves. It's one of our core values. We pursue the next generation. So that's why we do what we do. That's why there's a Kona truck outside. That's why we have kids at Rock the Universe this weekend. That's why we do the things we do because we're pursuing the next generation. And, and that's not just as a body. That's not just as a big C church it's, or, 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 or a local church. It's even individually like you can pursue the next generation. And I'm not even just talking about the, the 21 and under. I'm talking about the next generation of baby Christians. I'm talking about the seeker that needs to get saved. And, and you're pursuing them because you see that you've got a little bit to offer them. You've got some maturity that you can say, hey, listen, hey, walk with me. I see that you're struggling. I can tell you how to do this. Man with man, female with female. But walking with them and helping them and talking to them and guiding them in areas of their life that they might just need it. You're pursuing the next generation. Does that make sense? It leads to this thought, which is, it's like you're a parent. Natural parent to two teenage girls like we are, or foster parent to some kids that you just met in the last couple of months. It doesn't matter. But it's like you're becoming a parent, a spiritual parent. You know, when you're a spiritual adult, we, we even think that there's another step, which is to become the spiritual parent to help them and guide them. And what do you do when your kid gets out of line? You straighten them out. You, you, you make the corrections. You tell them where to go and what to do. 
That, that's what a spiritual parent is doing. I, I want you guys to, to not just be baby Christians or teenage Christians or even just adult Christians. I want you to impact the next generation. And how do you do that? By beginning to, to parent some baby Christians, some new believers. What if we did that? What if we really did that? And you, you stop saying that's the pastor's job. You stop saying that's, you know, I, I, I just do this and you do that. What if we really did that? What if we became spiritual parents? And we said, you know what? My neighbor who is like drunk and fighting with his wife every Friday night, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite him to breakfast on, probably not Saturday, that's not a good day, but like <laughs> invite him to dinner on Sunday. You know, hangover's done, all of that. What if, what if we did that? What if we, we, we started to parent and foster some people in the next generation and say, man, I, I can make an impact. I think that's what Jesus did, right? Didn't he have some, like, disciples or something like that? I don't, there was, like, 10 or 11 or I don't know, 12, I don't know, something like that. He had 12. And uh, even one of those didn't make it but he didn't give up on them he pursued them to the end you should do the same thing you should you should start looking for opportunities to parent somebody what if we all did that what if this room of a hundred people had 12 disciples that's 1200 according to you know I mean that's that's a lot of people but what if it was just one person? What if it's just one? That, that's 200 people for the kingdom. And in and, and a couple of years, it, it, it's exponential because that little born-again believer becomes a parent and, and they get another one and it's exponential. And all of a sudden, revival begins to break out because you just reached one. Here's how I wrap up. Here's how I close. Uh, this is what I was reading this morning. Stand with me this morning. This was what I was reading early this morning and it's in the book of Philemon chapter 1. Philemon chapter 1. The Apostle Paul's writing to Philemon on behalf of a guy named Onesimus. And he says to him, um, I'll just start at verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. He's talking to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave. He left Philemon. Philemon's in um, Colossae. And, and, and uh, Paul meets, Paul's under house arrest. But Onesimus somehow connects with, with Paul in Rome, and Paul writes a letter to Philemon. He knows who he is, and he's like, hey, uh, well, let me just read this. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. Useless because he ran away. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. And I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in the chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that, you, uh, so that any favor you do would not seem forced but voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. 
He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done anything, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. He's saying, you know what, Philemon, listen, I'm not going to write to you based on what you owe me or because I have this, you know, spiritual authority over you. I'm just writing to you as a prisoner in chains, but I'm writing also on behalf of my other son. His name is Onesimus, who I just recently met, and he ran from you, and, and so th- th- there's, this, there's this break in that relationship, and I know it, but I'm, I'm writing on behalf of Onesimus that you'll accept him back, that you'll receive him. And if there's any wrong, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll own it. I'll cover the cost. How amazing is that? Paul doesn't have to do that. He shouldn't even do that, but he does. He's, he's doing that to his, his spiritual son, Philemon and Colossae, for his spiritual son, Onesimus, who's going to be reunited with him. Here's the crazy part. Here's the thing that's kind of interesting, and you can kind of look this up for yourself if you want. It's not in the Bible, but it's in church history. So, like, I, I can't, like, 100% validate this. But um, it was something like, let me see, I've got it here. A hundred years, something like a hundred years later, this guy is a historian. His name was Ignatius. He called Ephesus the most influential church of its time. Why does that matter? Because when Ignatius writes about the church at Ephesus, he gives credit to a pastor, the pastor of that church, and guess what his name was? Onesimus. Can't 100% validate that Onesimus is Onesimus is the same Onesimus. We don't know for sure. But wouldn't that be crazy if because of this one chapter, 25 verse writing, from Paul while in chains to his spiritual son Philemon. They reconcile, they reunite. He offers him forgiveness and freedom from being enslaved. And all of a sudden Onesimus becomes a pastor in Ephesus and it's the most influential church of its time. Wouldn't that be crazy? But isn't that what God does? And it all started because somebody else, a spiritual father, spoke to some spiritual sons. What if you have that influence? What if you do something like that? What if you have that kind of impact? You never know. I bet Paul, when he wrote that, he wrote it in an hour probably. How long did it take him to write that little letter? I bet he never would have guessed that 2,000 years later we'd be talking about it. I bet he would have never guessed that the church 100 years later would become the most influential of its time because of that. I bet he would have never thought any of the things that happened happened, but you never know what God could do through you. If you're just obedient, and if you grow up, stop being a spiritual baby. You're born again. We're not talking about salvation, but, but, but grow up, mature, become a, a, a teenager, and then a mature adult, and start doing all the things that we just talked about. Amen? Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. If today you're saying, Pastor, I need to grow up a little bit. I need to mature a little bit. I need to become... I've been a born-again believer for a long time, but I need to grow up in my faith. If that's you today, 
whether it's becoming a teenager or, or even stepping into adulthood, if that's you today, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm making this decision today to grow up. Lift your hand today. Praise God. Praise God. All ages. It's not for young people. It's for, it's for fully devoted people. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down. And maybe there's a person in the room that's an earnest seeker. You didn't come being an earnest seeker, but God's calling you to be an earnest seeker right here and right now. And, and, and it starts with this. It starts with being a born-again believer. And he, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if you, if you want, today can be the day of salvation. You can be born again today. So if I'm talking to one person in the room, this is your opportunity. In just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. And after I pray that prayer, you, you repeat the prayer after me and, and just make that declaration in your heart. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Forgive me. Come and save me. Transform me. Would you bow your, your heads are bowed. Would you just pray this prayer with me, this prayer of salvation? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I know that I've sinned, that I've made mistakes. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Today, I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Because you died for me, I want to live for you. With your heads continued to be bowed, if you prayed that prayer, whether the first time or the 51st time, if that was you today, just lift your hand so I can acknowledge it. If that was you today, I see your hand. Praise God. I see your hand. Praise God. Come on, let's give God praise for what he's doing in the hearts and lives of people. Amen. 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 Let me, just, let me just pray over you. God, you see hearts, but you also, uh, you know that you see hands, but you know hearts. You know every heart. You know every situation. And I just thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in the lives of these people. The, the, the transformative work, the maturity that's happening, those that are striving for full uh, uh, commitment, devotion, and those that are taking a step into salvation today. We thank you, God, for the work that you're doing. We love you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, let's sing this closing song together. If you want to come and pray for any reason at all, I saw some people in the first service and sometimes we do it, other times we don't. This is not like an official altar, like a kneeling altar, but if you want to make this your altar that you just come before God on your knees and just say, God, hear my prayer, come. Come and pray. It's open for you. Let's sing together.
Rebecca, go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to get us through announcements. Just one more minute of our time on this beautiful Sunday. And if we've learned anything from Where Are You series is small groups. You know, it's a beautiful way to connect, and they've just started. It's on our website, the schedule, and if you need it. Also, we have some flyers out there. There's something actually on a couple of nights, two nights, two things going on. So every night of the week, Monday through Friday, come to our small groups, everyone. Next Sunday, Hope Center. Hope Sunday. Hope Center, guys, will be taking over. And um, we're going to hear powerful testimonies of that father, that friend, that savior, what he does when we surrender to his will. So don't miss that along with baptisms. If you have not been baptized next Sunday as well, please reach out to any one of us and Pastor Trevor will be talking to you a little bit more about that next step, everyone. It's amazing. Finding Mr. Right Conference. So this is coming up. Thank you guys. It's something that the Lord put in my heart and if I say anything today, just think evangelistic. It's not here it's in a venue here in a hotel near us. Um, it's anyone that won't come to church with us on Sundays. Your friends, your neighbors, your people at work or, you know, school if our kids aren't here today. But that person that just wants to come and hear Mr. Right is Jesus. And we're going to have a panel of women talking about mental health, physical health, grief, just so many different subjects and topics of real life. So if you need more information, feel free to see me. It's a free event. You just need to register. Also, guys, 30-second theology. So next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, I don't know about the men that are following football, but I love to watch the commercials. And um, just so many years of so many different, and it's, you know, that halftime commercials are amazing. But uh, we're going to see how they have spiritual significance. And I'm sure that that's something the Lord has been uh, putting in Pastor Trevor's heart. And we're going to we're gonna be here next week, next Sunday. Uh, don't, don't miss it, February 12th, sorry. Next week is Hope Sunday, February 5th, guys. So offering, let's um, go ahead. Our last thing is giving. And we so freely give back to what God freely has given us. So there's three way to give here. Um, here at Renew Church. And the first one is the envelopes right behind your chairs. You can drop those off on the way out, guys. Also, online giving at our website is www.renew.miami forward slash giving. And last, you can give to text at 786-565-1165. And let me close us out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We give you glory and honor. We just humble ourselves, Father in your mighty presence. Thank you for today. Thank you for every word that has come out um, from this sermon series of where we are, Lord. I bless everyone that has heard them. If you haven't, go back on 
this in, Lord. God, we thank you because you give us. You are that provider. You are our God that gives all things, even the breath in our lungs, Lord. So thank you for these offerings and these tithes. And even those that may not be able to give today, God, I bless them. And I just ask you to, to manifest in that area of our lives, Lord, every day more so that we can grow into that adulthood, even in our finances area that I know sometimes can be, you know, very difficult for us, Lord. We love you, God. I thank you for what you're doing at Renew Church, God, and every Sunday in and out, Lord. I bless Pastor Trevor today. I just lift him and Misty up for, for their, their time, their love, and their, their ministering to us and their pastoring us, God. I bless them. I, I bless everyone here, every family, every household, Lord. Holy Spirit, finish the good work in each and every one of us. We love you, God, and it's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen. All right, guys.